Welcome, dear readers. You are listening to Time to Read, a Winnipeg Public Library podcast book club. We are recording today from the Millennium Library in Winnipeg, which is within Treaty 1 territory, the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Cree, and Dakota, as well as the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis homeland. Our drinking water comes from Shoal Lake 40, First Nation, in Treaty 3 territory. In this episode, we are celebrating books, nerd words, and the fact that we've made it to 50 episodes. I'm Alan, and across the table from me, is uh alan what are you doing I, i'm uh, introducing the episode but you're not the host anymore you're a special guest uh, oh i am not um okay well just like one more time for all time's sake okay i'm dennis from the idea mill and i'm only here because i know how to edit audio across the table for me is uh, i'm trevor from the louis rail library and i'm only here because i showed up to a couple of meetings and now it's 50 episodes later <laughs> and across the table from me is i'm toby i'm an outreach librarian based out of millennium library and um i really feel like i'm sitting at the cool table right now <laughs> and across the table from me is hi i'm kirsten and i'm from harvey smith library and I'm only here because I missed all you cool cats. I was going to say, Kirsten, what are you doing here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> A good book can carry me away from an ever-engine ordinary day. Yeah. So keep it down, leave me alone. Close the doors and turn off the phone. Because all I ever really need And you, dear readers, we wouldn't do this without you. If you weren't listening, we'd stop talking, or at least we'd stop recording it and putting it online. Probably. You can find our email address and all our social media outlets by going to wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca and scrolling to the bottom of the page. As you probably noticed from the intro, this is not going to be a typical episode for us. Instead of talking about a particular book, today we are marking the 50-episode milestone. As part of that celebration, we invited past Time to Read hosts to join us. For those who only recently started listening, Alan and Kirsten were part of the original podcast team before moving on to other projects. So, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. The OG, right? Is <laughs> the that what OG. you say? The yeah. OG. The OG. Yeah. I, I feel remiss if I didn't mention where I am now and, and what projects I'm on. So, I am from Red River College Polytechnic. We're a polytechnic now, in case you didn't see all the billboards. No, didn't, uh, actually. That's, that's much better than a monotechnic. <laughs> yes. Is that like a polymath? Uh, no. Oh. Polyamorous. Polyamorous. Yes. <laughs> it's Valentine's. So many fun uh, poly words. <laughs> I should have used a poly word for, for a polygon. For word. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I guess you could say I'm polygon now. <laughs> and that's the polynomial. <laughs> and just a quick reference to last week, uh, last month's episode, Pollyanna. Oh. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a book mentioned. Mm -hmm. And you, Kirsten. I'm great. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> well, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a few of the past episodes this morning, and uh, yeah, just made me so happy to hear everyone's voices and just re reminded me of a whole bunch of memories that I hadn't remembered. So it was great. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to kind of go back and listen to some of those past episodes. They were good. Some of them were actually good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so because this is our 50th episode, we opted not to just discuss one book like we used to do or usually do and will do again. And instead, we're just going to talk about books in general. 
We're going to start with the question that everyone hates to try to answer. What's your favorite book of all time? There were some good responses on our social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just pulling that up just as, a, as an icebreaker. We got quite a lot of responses to that. Um, okay, so let's see here. Wild by Cheryl Strayed. The Seamstress by Sarah Bernstein. The Stone Diaries. Anne of Green Gables. Uh, Little Women, Jane Eyre, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, The Outsiders, The Night Circus, The Hobbit, Wuthering Heights, another Jane Eyre, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. We've yeah, done yeah. one of those. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Facebook, uh, again, The Hobbit got some love, and The Grapes of Wrath, John Steinbeck, The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, which we haven't read in the podcast, but we have read one of her stories at the Tales at Night, I think. Yeah, She's pretty yeah. great. And Bride's Head Revisited by Evelyn Waugh. Um, and something, a, a newer book, The Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow. Hmm. So quite a interesting variety offered by our listeners. I will give a thumbs up to Wuthering Heights. Also a fantastic song by Kate Bush, uh, which inspired <laughs> me to read the book. And The Night Circus is an interesting one. Like, I read it. It was, it was good, but a lot of people love it. So, yeah. Yeah. Of the list of the ones that people read, uh, I have to give a big thumbs up to Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, I remember reading that for the first time, and it was one of the most beautifully written books I'd ever read. It's one of those things where my ambitions to be an author someday were really shattered because I thought there's no way I can write like this. Like, this is fantastic. And then I read a Daniel Steele novel after that. And I thought, ah, anybody I can, can write it. I can do it. Anybody can write a book. I never, I've never read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, but I did see a stage version of it a few years back at MTC, which was phenomenal. And they used not just the stage, but the entire theater as part of the, the set, unbeknownst to me, uh, <laughs> that I was sitting in maybe the second row or something, which also doubled as the gallery for the, the courthouse. So partway through the play, uh, a couple of the characters in character brushed by me and sat on, on either side of me and were like interacting with what was going on the stage. And then I thought... Oh, it's, it's too late for me to actually check my ticket. Like, am I, am I in the right row? Like, like, was this blocked off somehow when I just walked in? So it was a very, very excellent production. I thought you were going to say, and at that moment, I thought maybe I could be an actor. <laughs> no, I was terrified. It's like, what, what's going to happen next? I would totally watch a play you were in. <laughs> me too. I think it's so hard to come up with uh, favorite books. And I think that this kind of came up when you guys did... Uh, um, hundred years of solitude. You did that. Love in the time of love cholera. in the time of cholera. Yeah, because hundred years of solitude is another one of my favorites. What I would say would be my favorites, but th- that was like you know twenty five years ago, and mm. so I almost like don't want to reread these books because it was the time and place that they became favorites for me. Because I think you had the same, <laughs> yeah, situation. That's, that's an interesting take on it. Like because that. That is something we've experienced in different scenarios, but I'm going to say my favorite book of all time is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm okay rereading it because, like, I don't normally reread books, but I've reread Hitchhiker's Guide at least a half dozen times over the years uh, from when I was a teen to uh, just when we did it on the podcast recently. So I know that one holds up. (laughs) I thought you were going to say I know that one by heart. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I do know a lot of the lines, though. When you say you've read it uh, half a dozen times or so, uh, have you read the entire series that many times? Like, when you've read it, do you go through, or or is this particularly the first book that... 
uh, you're thinking of? When I first read it, uh, the whole series had not been published yet. So I've reread the first one half a dozen times. And then the others, like each time a new book came out, I read the ones before it and then read it. And then, uh, so I guess the fourth book in the series, the fourth book in the trilogy, to use the proper terminology for a Jigger's Guide, I probably only reread three times. And I have not read the fifth one because it wasn't by Douglas Adams. So I'm not counting it as part of the series, even though his estate okayed it and everything. It's like the, the four, that's the trilogy to me. Estates are weird, man. Like the way they morph someone's life afterwards. I'm, yeah. think, I'm thinking of Bob Ross, who was like, you know, hid his paintings away in vaults. And now, like, there's Bob Ross everything. There's Bob <laughs> Ross magic cards and hmm. board games and all, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think Kafka also was like, told his friend to burn all of his stuff mm. when he was dying. And mm. we all know how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Terry Pratchett said something like that to Neil Gaiman. Like, there was something that he wanted destroyed. I think run over by, like, a, a, a tractor or something. And Gaiman did it. <laughs> he, he followed through with his wishes I, I'm going to have the details wrong I'm afraid but there was something Terry Pratchett wanted destroyed and Neil Gaiman followed through for him true it's, friend uh, yeah. yeah I mean if someone told me to run over something with a tractor <laughs> <laughs> or a bulldozer or something like that like heavy machinery you know well like many of us maybe all of us trying to define what our favorite book is is a difficult thing so I was trying to think well what kind of metric do I use and I think I use something similar to you, Dennis. I, I, I have an actual answer and kind of a cop-out answer. So I have two mm -hmm. different books. So my actual answer, I had to think of, what is the book that I've read the most times? And it actually is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People <laughs> by Stephen Covey, which is a, I guess you'd call it like a maybe a personal self-help rubric that originally came out, I didn't realize this, in uh, 1989. And it uh, kind of lays out steps of how you can kind of organize your own thoughts and habits and how you interact with other people. Now, I can see the skepticism on everyone's face. You're saying, Trevor, but you don't do anything. <laughs> True. But if I ever did, I would be very effective. Mm -hmm. But so that's my real answer. My, my sham answer is that, well, my favorite book is whatever book I'm reading right now. <laughs> and the book I'm reading right now is called uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham jo Jones, which I brought First book I've ever read by this guy. Super interesting guy. Yeah, an American, part of the, uh, the Blackfoot community, also a professor of, of English, and he writes hardcore horror novels. <laughs> and so this particular book, My Heart is a Chainsaw, takes place in this little town in Idaho where the main character, Jade, she's 15 years old, and she loves slasher films, especially the ones from the 70s and 80s. And she has had a traumatic upbringing and she escapes into these movies and she is convinced that a slasher cycle is about to start in her hometown all the signs are there and she needs she knows her own character she's not a final girl she doesn't have the strength to be the final girl but a new girl moves into town and she says that's the final girl and i have to educate her in horror tropes so that she can survive don't run up the stairs yeah, yeah exactly and so as you can see i've only got a little bit left it's right at the part where the bodies are all being discovered oh it's amazing and i'm thoroughly enjoying it i have a feeling it like every good great slasher it's probably gonna have a sequel and a sequel and a sequel right. i'm hoping so anyway that is my current favorite book. 
until I pick up the, another book after this one. <laughs> yeah. I like that you used the phrase the final girl too, because I just recently saw the movie Final Girls, which is like a, one of these horror comedy type things, which uh, is kind of goofy and preposterous, but much scarier than you expect when you start to see it. And uh, it was it was amazing. Mm. If you like Cabin in the Woods, then um, The Final Girls is just fantastic. Well, I was going to say, yeah, this book, if you're a fan of like movies that are self-referential, like the Scream series or Cabin in the Woods, then I think you would you would enjoy this very much. Cause I, it, so. I was just thinking about Scream, and I want to know if they like dissect Scream in that book. Because that kind of had a similar part. All four of them. <laughs> all, all. <laughs> no, well, there's five Screams now, but when yeah. this book came out, there were four. So that makes they, me really want to read it, yeah. and because that's very meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did also have a second favorite book in terms of a book that had an impact on me, like maybe Seven Habits did for you, but it was The Demon Haunted World, uh, Science is a Candle in the Dark by Carl Sagan which mm. Carl Sagan was a great science popularizer. This was his pitch for the scientific method as the best way to approach the world and to gain a, get ourselves out of ignorance. And it came at a point in my life where I was trying to sort out what I thought and what I believed and how I wanted to interact with the world. So Demon Haunted World, we still have it in the collection. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book. It's interesting. I put down a couple uh, titles, and I guess without really thinking it through about metrics, I must have been doing very similar things to you, Trevor, because um, I went back to, yeah, what one have I like read multiple times? And it's 84 Charing Cross Roads. Mm. And I think because it's so small. <laughs> and I love books that are centered around letters. And I don't know, I just really kind of love that, that story. And it's sort of maybe a bit of a comfort read, although I never read things over again, um, or rarely. And then the other one that had an impact on me is the Rebecca Solnit Wonderlust, The History of Walking. Mm. That's had like sort of a profound impact on me over the last, I'd say, 15 years, probably, both in our collection. So I have a question for everybody. Mm -hmm. Does anyone care to guess what my favorite book is? I hope it's not infinite jest. I know. I just well, I'm seeing it on. <laughs> is it? Oh no, uh, no Alan. I'll, I'll give I'll give everyone a hint. We well, did it. On it was the... it was the first episode. Oh, it was Oryx and Grace. Oh, right. And, and we and started with your very yeah, favorite book. Right. And, and I have a bone to pick with you, Alan, because yeah. Orcs and Craig is part of a trilogy. Yes. And the first book in the trilogy is your favorite book of all time. Yes. Yet you have not read books two or three. No, I've read, I've read book two. Oh. Didn't like it, and that's what scared me off book three. <laughs> Amazing. So you went yeah. from your favorite book of all yeah. time yeah. to a huge <laughs> disappointment. Yes. I don't want to see. I, I've, I've read all three. Mm-hmm. I think they get better. <laughs> Honestly, I think the second one's better than the first one, and the third one brings it home. Personally, that's me. But So anyway, so I should be uh, on the lookout for disappointment. Disappointment. Should I ever read that? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. even more. Actually, and since you brought up like a trilogy where you like the first one and maybe not so much the others, I got to mention Robertson Davies' uh, The Fifth Business, which uh, I read that book on the suggestion of my brother, and I thought it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was an amazing piece of fiction. Yeah. And then I said, uh, and I was telling him I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to read the rest of the series, and he's like, don't. Don't. <laughs> it's like it. It, it just don't. <laughs> I've, I've heard the same thing. I've, I've also read it, and uh, it was fantastic. And I've heard not to read the rest, and I have, I've listened to that advice. Yeah, I think the first one is so good at capturing the essential story mm-hmm. that all the rest will just come across as filler. But the fifth business itself, 
definitely a good read. I don't know what you guys think about this, but you know how they often will say the Lord of the Rings is a trilogy, <laughs> but you know, it's actually six books because <laughs> each book has two books in it. And it's not really a trilogy because it's one big story, I, I would say. Yet, having said that, I love The Fellowship of the Ring, <laughs> and I can't even deal with uh, the third part. And the second part is fine as Boringsville. Uh, I found that when I read the books. Mm-hmm. I've read The Fellowship of the Ring a bunch of times. And then when the movies came out, I've seen the first movie a bunch of times. I love it. <laughs> but uh, the other two I've seen once in the theater. And then that's, that's it. So I don't know. That's weird, right? No, I think that yeah. happens. Huh. Yeah. It's probably more pretty common in, in trilogies, I would, I would imagine. Where It's hard to sustain the quality of a trilogy. Like, because especially you come out hot out of the gate and it's amazing and everyone loves it. And then they want at least that good for the next one. But it's like, if you poured your heart into the first one, you know, can you do it again? It's uh, and years and well, years often too into that yeah, first one. It's, and then you're supposed to churn out the second one in like. Because writing is not easy. Like writing is a lot of struggle for author, for many authors to, to really get it out there and to do that over and over again in a row well i think part of it too is like i think there's a lot of cases where there there's never intended to be a sequel like Mm. from the author's perspective but it like blows up and then you know there's you know all this money and fans like just clamoring for more so the publisher yeah publisher (laughs) yeah capitalism Um, but speaking of metrics, because uh, we've we've talked about orcs and crake like on a whole episode, so it's like we don't need to talk about that again. But I, I did have another metric for favorite books of all time, and, and that was books um, that movies were based on. So my favorite book that has a movie uh, is Requiem for a Dream by Hubert Selby Jr., which I was obsessed with the movie when I was younger. Uh, which is a terrible, sorry, it's a good movie, but. A very heavy and very dark movie. So uh, don't watch it uh, with your mom in the room. Um, <laughs> but the book is but the book is amazing. Can you uh, read the book with your mom in the room? Um, <laughs> I mean, as long as she's not reading you, reading it with, reading it, yeah, reading it to you, reading out loud. Uh, but it's it's about how drugs affect the lives of of several different characters. Um, like there's a, a mom and a son and a son's girlfriend and a son best friend and they all get caught up in like different types of drugs and uh you kind of watch the spiral of their lives uh go down the drain Cherry. uplifting yes <laughs> uh, but. oh and now you're all staring at me uh, <laughs> I, okay so it, my favorite book of all time is birds of america by laurie moore um so I have learned from this podcast that um, past me is not to be trusted. Um, <laughs> love in the time of cholera as the example. We still so, like past you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. So I recognize that when I first read this book, I was in a different time in my life. I was in my 20s. I was a grad student. I was single. And this book really resonated with me. I felt a real kinship to the characters in this book. But even now, when I'm older and hopefully wiser, I still I still love this book. It still holds a very sacred place in my heart. So this is a book of short stories. Many of these were previously published in like the New Yorker and Harper's and the Paris Review. So like these are these are quality stories. They're they're not just any random stories. What I love about Moore, and this is very specific to me, but she writes what I feel like is my internal monologue or what I think I think like. Um, so. 
these stories are primarily about female protagonists and they're all kind of caustic and witty and high strung and self-conscious <laughs> um, which is maybe me a bit in a nutshell except for the witty part um, no no you can keep that in there yeah. uh, so they've been called uncomfortable realism um, they're really about people who are lost they're witty they're darkly funny I found a review um, by the great Michiko Kakutani former chief book critic for the New York Times um, and she said that these stories attest to Ms. Moore's ability to map the emotional landscape of people in transition, people who have run smack up against the limits and limitations of their lives, people who feel themselves to be outsiders in their own families and marriages. Um, and also, Ms. Moore writes with such psychological precision, such sharp, unsentimental knowledge of her characters' hopes and fears. So this is an older book. It's from 1998. But in anticipation of this episode, I had it ordered for the system. So we have three brand new copies. And uh, please read it. But if you don't like it, just don't don't tell me you, you read it. Just, <laughs> I'm I so know. glad that we have some copies coming in. Yeah. Because I know I read on your Instagram oh. that it was your favorite book. And yeah. so I remember looking for it because I trust your recommendations. And I usually love everything. So okay. I'm excited. I love, I love the phrase uncomfortable realism. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I yeah. definitely want to read it too. And I think it takes a certain courage to to say what your favorite book is, right? Because you're putting kind of yourself mm-hmm. out there in a certain way. And, and I'm, I'm very interested very interested in reading all of our favorite books. So, Toby, I have a question for you because I yes. see for, for uh, listeners out there, there's a bunch of uh, post-it notes in the book. Have those been there for years or are no, they recent? No, I was rereading it recently mm-hmm. and I was just making note of particularly um, witty phrases that I liked mm-hmm. in case I wanted to read a quote. You, you were mentioning, Toby, that it's a collection of short stories. Is yes. there one or two short stories that stand out out of the others for you that are, say, the best of the best uh, or is that... Uh, hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, I will know that they are, they're heavy. There's a lot of themes of kind of death and dying, especially babies and young children. So keep that in mind. There's a, a story about parents whose child is in pediatric oncology. They call it pedoink. So yeah, keep that in mind. That's the uncomfortable part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's a lot of light and hope and wit and humor. Sounds excellent. This is why I love this podcast is that it, I mean, I think I I was just saying that I, I think Toby and I have very similar tastes in books and I really enjoy all of her suggestions, but everyone around this table, including Erica, who's not here today, has introduced me to books that I wouldn't normally read just on my own. And I think that's what a book club is often about, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I've always had like kind of a snobbery about some certain types of books. And so, I mean, even like reading The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Or Erica's suggestion of Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. I think I wrote in my notes, I don't actually care about them arriving to the planet. Like that doesn't, like the, the, the way was super fun and enjoyable. But also introduction to graphic novels too, like that. I hadn't really read a lot of graphic novels before. And so being introduced to Fun Home and then actually one of my favorite books of recent years is a graphic novel called Belonging, which is about a German woman looking at her 
sort of uncomfortable German background and uh, incorporating all these like historical documents and everything. So yeah, so I've just found my whole literary world has opened up. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, A lot of the books we read for the podcast, I would never read just left to my own devices. And I have enjoyed so many of them, not all of them. Uh, (laughs) I I said in the um, outro to the last episode that we would also talk about books we hated Mm -hmm. or uh, books we couldn't stand, I guess is what I said, which surprised everyone else on the podcast because no one thought we were talking about books we didn't like. (laughs) But (laughs) let's face it, we love books and we boost books and we think generally the reading is a great thing. But there are books that you won't like. And Um, books that you don't have to finish. Yeah. If you don't like them. Yeah. Walk away. Walk away. <laughs> By Cory Doctorow. That's right. That was Sorry. an awesome book. No, I'm just saying. That's why Kirsten didn't finish. Sorry. She walked away. She walked away from Walk Away. Come back to it. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just on that front, uh, I'm going to say of the books we've read on the podcast, the one I liked the least was The Huntress. Oh. Which uh, I think others liked it more than I did, but I found it very cliched oh, and right. overdone. I remember you mm-hmm. saying that, actually. Yeah, I whind about it endlessly yeah, on that actually. episode. That's true. Yeah. I don't normally like to whine that much about a book, but <laughs> man, because I forced myself to finish it for the podcast. So. Oh, yeah. I, I think I, I read books differently for this podcast than I do just reading for uh, for pleasure, because as I'm reading it, even if I am not enjoying it, I'm looking for things to talk about so that if I don't like it, at least I could sort of articulate why I don't. But also, to be fair, say the things I do like about it, because I don't want to just come out and say that I just hated a book. But you know a book I hated? The Sisters Brothers. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I hid my dislike of it very much on the uh, episode no. either. And uh, I felt badly because I, when you did the author bio, he seemed like a, a nice dude. Uh, I know. He's like my in my top two of dinner invites. Oh. Like after I did his bio. Yeah. Also, okay. I've just got a massive crush on him. <laughs> Maybe you could just invite me for dessert, you know, so I could just show up at the end and say, hey, you know, could I meet him? But I don't think I could sustain uh, pretending. Have you I, read French Exit? I, I haven't. Exit, no, that, exactly. I know you, you suggested that yeah, at the time. At and the I was, time. Really I said, yeah. noted. And here we are. Maybe I should sit on my TV red list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Anyone else want to trash a book? <laughs> uh, I think uh, the one that comes to mind that we did on the podcast was The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Um, and Neil Gaiman, like on paper, seems like he's like right up my alley, that urban fantasy kind of thing. And just everything that I've ever tried to read by him, it just like hasn't connected for, for whatever reason. And I found The Ocean at the End of the Lane seemed like a little cliche to me. So that, that was not. That was also one podcast where it was just you oh, and yeah. I. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was just yeah. you and I. And so, and it was, we were fairly new yeah. to it. And that's not the style of book that I usually read either. Mm-hmm. So I also was sort of like, I don't know. If I really, <laughs> I think the two people that suggested it, Erica, yeah. myself, Erica was in England. I was in the hospital, I so exactly. I don't think it was probably one of our best episodes. Because sometimes, then, if like if you would have explained a little bit more about what you like, then mm-hmm. that influences me mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. Um, in my enjoyment of a book. Yeah, I will say like. Uh, and the early days of the podcast, when I was just doing the audio engineering, I read about half the books that uh, were on the show. And a lot of times after hearing you guys talk about them, I was like, oh, I wish I had read it. <laughs> it was, you, you convinced me on several books to go back and give them a try uh, just because 
just hearing them discussed, uh, even though, you know, spoilers, they're talking spoilers through the whole thing. But it just, I don't know, hearing people talk about books in interesting ways, it, it's nice. You know, it's like watching a trailer for a movie, but more involved, more detailed. And it's funny because I was um, always in charge of doing the, the, the biography and I started to do deeper and deeper dives into the biographies mm-hmm. and I found it often added so much and actually two of them, one of them being Patrick DeWitt and one of them being uh, Jhumpa Lahari, I was just listening to them again and people around the table were saying, oh, that makes so much sense to know that about him or to know that about her. And so that was always a really interesting sort of added component, I think, to, to the podcast. And those two are definitely my top two dinner invites. Mm-hmm. Um, again, slash crushes, Patrick <laughs> DeWitt, because of just how he speaks. And I might be intimidated by him, but also maybe, maybe not. He also has a lighthouse tattoo, which also was like really intriguing because he always thought that he wanted to be a lighthouse keeper, which I always wanted to do. And then in this, you said something about how you had a theory about lighthouse keepers and we would circle back and come back to it. And I don't think we ever did. I've also wanted to be a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> I, I've watched the lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and uh, what's his what's his name? Uh, the new Batman, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, and that makes me not want to be. A <laughs> I have also keeper. seen that film, and uh, yeah, it would deter anyone from even going within ten feet of a lighthouse. I think, yeah, but fantastic film. So, am I supposed to reveal my lighthouse? Uh, well, I don't theory? know. Like, well, I, I'm not like I'm, I'm just sort of like uh, interested. I mean, okay, just as a general sense, I often thought of. Uh, uh, librarians as lighthouse keepers we're tasked with the responsibility of shedding light on the darkness mm-hmm. and we are also based on maybe an, an outdated mode of delivering it that we are trying to catch up to just like lighthouse keepers and sometimes in my dark moments i feel like are we going to be the last generation of librarians and lighthouse keepers but then in my uh, happier moments i think no we will always find a way to shed the light of knowledge into the darkness of ignorance and rockiness. Wow. So that's it. I mean, I obviously didn't think it out. I would come up with a much more eloquent. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty that's, good. That, 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 that's me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can get behind that. And yeah. now that I know that this, what's his name? Tim, uh, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick DeWitt. Patrick DeWitt. Now that I know he's got a lighthouse tattoo, man alive. This guy makes it tough to not like him. Well, he also <laughs> has a belligerent attitude towards the establishment. All right. Which... <laughs> Love. But Jhumpa Lahari, remember from, from her bio, like so brilliant. Again, so, super intimidating. Like three master's degrees, a PhD in Renaissance studies. And she talked about how she was like between the two worlds of India and America. And just only recently, she's found her home to be Italy. Mm-hmm. So she lives in Italy now. She now only reads and writes in Italian. She wrote a New Yorker article called Teach Yourself Italian. She wrote it in Italian first, and then she translated it into English. I was going to make a joke by saying that she wrote it in Italian. No one could understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, just fascinating. So um, my two top authors that I would invite to dinner from my time on the podcast. Putting it out there, Patrick DeWitt. (laughs) (laughs) Get in touch, Patrick. We can give you her phone number. (laughs) I mean, I haven't been on the podcast for very long, so I don't have a a large amount of books to choose from to a least favorite. I am trying to get better at DNFing, which in the book 
on Bookstagram, tick book talk community means do not finish, did not finish. Mm-hmm. I have this thing that when I start a book, I just, I have to keep going, even if it's terrible. So I recently DNF'd the reading list. I think it was by Sarah Nisha Adams. Uh, I got about a hundred pages in and I, I was like, nope, I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to put it down. And that was big for me because I had already invested so much time. Yeah. It's easier when you know after the first two pages that you don't like it. Yeah. Well, you've got to give it, give it some time. You know, I read somewhere that you should give a book a hundred pages minus your age. So the older you get, the less time you have to like for a book to grab you, um, which I kind of like. Um, I like that. That's yeah. similar to Stephen King's metric, which is 10% of the book. Oh, okay. So if it's a 200 page book, 20 pages, if it, has, if it hasn't grabbed you in 20 pages, put it down kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. But I like the idea of making it less time because we have less time the older we get. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> less time for nonsense. <laughs> Aside from books, one of the things that we do a lot on the show are our nerd words. I can't remember how we came up with that. Was that your idea, Alan? Or uh, I think the idea of yeah having a word that we all shared might have come from me, but the name I think came from the old head of Winnipeg Public Library. Nerd words for word nerds came from Ed Cuddy, didn't it? Oh. I'm not sure. I'm, but if I'm remembering correctly, that's where the segment name came from. Yeah, so we did put out on social media asking for people's favorite words, and we did get a bunch of responses, too. So I got a, a list here. DeHant said kibitz, which is Yiddish for silliness or joking around. Nevermore wrote crepuscular. I love it, I live it, so do my cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forgolina said sesquipedalian. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Sesquipedalian. Sesquipedalian. It rolls off the tongue if you practice it enough. Yeah, which means like long-winded and using big words. So it's a a perfectly suited word for what it is. Uh, Bookish Knitter said catawampus. Bereth said cacophony, which is a great word. Love that word. Cacophony. Orianushki said entitlement. Ikash said vermilion. Mm -hmm. Dehem said grimoire. Which uh, definitely, especially if you're into fantasy fiction, is a, is a wonderful word. Uh, Audrey Bissett said egregious, and Speak Story said clandestine. Oh, oh clandestine! Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good one. We've previously, or I previously mentioned on the show that uh, my favorite word of all time is suboptimal. So instead of that, because we already have that in an episode, I'm going to toss out a new word today: throneness, which uh, was a word. Martin Heidegger, a philosopher, used, uh, or he actually used the German word geworfenheit, which rolls off the tongue a little easier, uh, to describe a human individual's experience of existence as being thrown into the world. The arbitrary and capricious fact of existence that you are born into a specific family in a specific place and time in human history with all the resulting social conventions, duties, familial ties, and all of the suffering and frustration that comes along with these, none of which are your choice. The Doors used this concept in their 1971 song, Riders on the Storm. Into this world were thrown like a dog without a bone. And I like this word. It just encapsulates how I feel a lot. Just thrown into the world and you just have to deal with what's there. Because, you know, you didn't choose where you were going to land. Anyone else got favorite words they want to share today? Well, I I have a favorite Dennis word, nerd word because I always love when Dennis does the nerd word. I I don't know Dennis, you always do it last, and I don't know you just sort of 
And it's your voice too. And I think, I feel like we're always like wrapped, like listening to you. And then you somehow just have some, you know, wisdom kind of to tie it all up. So my favorite Dennis nerd word was from the stranger in the woods podcast. And the word was edge case. And you started off, and because edge case is a problem that occurs only at an extreme, maximum or minimum, operating parameter. I'm like, what? <laughs> then you also brought up the concept of failing gracefully. Hmm. And we were all, well, Eric and I was like, oh, I love it. Failing gracefully. Love it. But you spoke of it in relation to human societies, edge case and human societies. And we need to ensure that the things work on the margins because then things will pretty much work everywhere else. And you were saying how Christopher Knight from the book was an edge case. And when you don't care about your edges, they become cracks that people can fall through. Hmm. And just thought, yeah, if you don't care about the edges, then they become cracks people fall through. Anyway, I was like, oh, my God, so <laughs> profound. Anyway, I loved it. So that was, I had other ones, too, that you had done, like... Um, hatus and arbitrary arbitrary was a really good word too that you did and anticipation too but edge case was my favorite Dennis nerd word oh thank so, you for buttering me up like that. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a word that I was going to use as my nerd word today but then completely forgot about which is bezel which is the magic interval when a confidence trickster knows he has the money he has appropriated but the victim does not yet understand that he has lost it Ooh. and I learned that word from Corey Doctorow, who we've done his books on the podcast, he was doing a Twitter thread about how Uber is a bezel. And uh, uh, so that was uh, a very fun word to learn. Mm -hmm. See, I thought you were going to say bezel as it relates to watches. And I thought Trevor was like <laughs> lighting up like something related to a watch. A bezel is the uh, outer rim of a uh, watch um, <laughs> case. <laughs> Sometimes it is a rotational on dive watches. Um, but I did bring another nerd word, which I guess isn't, I wouldn't claim this word uh, as mine in any way, but it's uh, Manituabe Badazige, which is Anishinaabemowin Ojibwe word, which means where the creator sits and brings light. And this is the name of the new RRC Polytechnic building downtown. So it's the first uh, RRC Polytechnic building to receive an indigenous name. Yeah, so I just I, I, it's a word that I've had to focus on pronouncing, which I think is is a good thing to mm -hmm. do. And I, I found one of the things I found doing this podcast and uh, originally doing the land acknowledgments at the beginning is is the more you become familiar with indigenous words, the easier it is to pronounce them if you're coming across words that you're unfamiliar with, and the more you're, you're able to learn them. So that's one of the skills that this podcast has helped me with. <laughs> Often for my nerd word, it's inspired by the book we've read. Sometimes it's not. So since we're not reading a specific book this month, my uh, nerd word is sort of inspired by the podcast itself. So my word is synergy. Now, before I, I, I heard that, I heard that too. That's yes, it's a buzzword. Might and, as well say pivot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I hear someone that's kind of corporate use it, I roll my eyes mm. and I stop listening. But... You may, before it was a buzzword, it was an actual word, popular in the 90s. And yes, yes, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that's the first place I discovered it. But it's a much older word. It was first found in print in 1632. Oh. And the 
it can mean a lot of different things. Every, every organization with its religion, politics, the environment, science will give examples of synergy. But the simplest way to explain it is that the sum is greater than the parts. And I feel like with this podcast, every month I'm coming here with my B game and I'm not prepared and I feel like I'm just going to have dumb stuff to say. And then I sit around this table with super intelligent, funny people who have all got super interesting things to say. And by the end of it, somehow my A game uh, comes out uh, and we create something. And there's, there's another definition of synergy where the sum of the parts creates something unexpected. And I feel like, I mean, okay, some months, some months are better than others, but I feel like on a regular basis, we create a thing that's unexpected and better than the sum of the people that are sitting around it. So synergy, buzzword. I like it. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I, I really struggled to come up with a word that I felt worthy of this occasion. I kept coming back to anti-disestablishmentarianism, which I don't know. Does everyone discover this word in junior high and then think you've like? That's my favorite song from Mary Poppins. <laughs> think you've like, that you know, you've reached song from Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> reached the pinnacle of, of intelligence because it's like the longest word and, and you know it. Um, but for a really long word it's it's a very boring meaning it's just a 19th century british political movement that advocates that the church should continue to receive government money so very boring but what i did find interesting was that it entered pop culture in 1955 when a 12-year-old spelled it correctly on a $64,000 question and this led me into a bit of a, a wormhole about what is the longest word in the english language and there's a lot of debate a lot of people think anti-disestablishmentarianism isn't because it's not in common usage, so it's not in many major dictionaries. Um, so the longest word in major English language dictionaries is nemono ultramicroscopic silico volcano coniosis. Also which, in common usage. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a lung disease caused by the inhalation of very fine ash and sand dust. And like with a lot of medical words, you can really break it down into its parts. Nemono is lungs, uh, ultra beyond, microscopic, referring to the fineness of particulates. Silico, silicate dust, volcano dust, coni is also dust, and uh, osis, which is a suffix to indicate a medical condition. So that gets you nemono, ultramicroscopic, silico, volcano, coniosis. I have uh, practiced sorry, that Sorry, I just got to say, you did an awesome <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. However, this is not the longest word in the English language. The longest word, and this again, maybe, maybe not, but it's super long, is a chemical name. It's for a type of protein. And I realize the podcast is an audio medium, um, so people won't be able to see this, but this is 38 double-sided pages, oh. uh, single-spaced, <laughs> oh. uh, this word. Um, wow. And it's hard to believe that we're not being punked and that this is actually a word and uh. not just an assortment of letters. Um, but is, but there is it is, a major dictionary, though? <laughs> there is, it is a major dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> there is a video. It's over three hours long of someone saying this word. So you can look it up on YouTube if... Um, if you're having trouble sleeping one night, but um, yeah, there you go. If anyone wants to look at that. That, that reminds me of uh, the Ent language from Lord of the Rings when they're talking with the Ents and the Ents talk so slow and, and, and they're like, why are you talking so slow? Uh, the Ents are like, well, if you have anything important to say, you should say it slowly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
how long is the video where the person tells it's the... over three hours oh. it's a very important word yeah <laughs> yeah we should right. all learn this word yeah. <laughs> and learn how to say it <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was just going to jump in just to say that I talked about my favorite dentist nerd word, but my favorite nerd word of my own from the podcast was interrobang just because it had such a, prof- again, a profound influence on my life and a tattoo that I have <laughs> of the interrobang. And what you know do? what? I use the interrobang all the time now because I've got it programmed into my phone oh. so I can just use it because I just find it really a helpful way of expressing myself sort of this like questioning excitement <laughs> now i want a tutorial about how to program that into my phone <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. you can do it you can do it bring back the intero bang <laughs> do we want to talk about favorite moments from the podcast yes because i had one i'm going to share uh i'll see if i can find the audio clip to add it in later but in the early days, we would do little promos for library programs, and we didn't normally share with each other what was going to be in each promo. We just wrote up our own thing and then recorded it. So it was always a bit of a surprise to see what everyone would come up with. And one day, we did one, and Alan had one, and uh, I can't even remember right now what it was for, but <laughs> he just launched into this monologue. It was breathless. It was <laughs> propulsive. It kept moving forward. Hi. I'm Alan. I'm the branch head librarian at Transcona Library. You may remember me from such time-to-read podcast episodes as Episode 2, Middlesex, and Episode 4, The Ocean at the End of the Lane. People on the street often stop me and ask, Alan, you always seem to know what's going on at Winnipeg Public Library. How do you do it? And I would reply with three simple words, at the library. I'd click my heels together and continue along my merry way. This worked out well, or so I thought, until my friend Gary asks me, Hey Alan, you always seem to know what's going on at Winnipeg Public Library. How do you do it? And I replied, as I always do, at the library. Uh, so you have to go to the library to find out what's going on at the library? I thought Gary was just being Gary. Then I thought about it for a moment, and that's when my stomach sank and sirens began going off in my head. Gary thought I literally meant at the library, when what I really meant was at the library. Subtitle, Your Guide to Winnipeg Public Library, the bi-monthly brochure available in print and online by Winnipeg Public Library that has a membership guide, lists all of WPL's upcoming programs and events, tells you the opening hours of each of our 20 branches, and which locations have free Wi-Fi. Spoiler alert, all of them. Are you okay there, Alan? Yeah, I'm okay, Gary. Because you just kind of spaced out there for a minute. I know, Gary. I realized I need to explain to you. In fact, I need to explain to a lot of people that at the library doesn't always literally mean at the library. You mean because of Winnipeg Public Library's wide selection of ebooks and other online resources? And when he finished, he looked at us and we were all just kind of sitting there. And he said, Oh, I guess that didn't, uh, I guess that wasn't as good as I hoped it was. And we all burst into laughter at this point because we had been holding it in the whole time because we were afraid of disrupting his rhythm. It was the funniest thing I've ever heard in person in my life. I just want to thank you, Alan, for, for being able to write something that was so hilarious and still got a point across, too. <laughs> was my very favorite moment. I, th- I think a favorite moment for me was when uh, the pandemic hit in, in March 2020. I mean, that wasn't my favorite moment. <laughs> Let me just be clear. But what happened was, is Dennis figured out a way that we could still record. And we would record by being in our own 
homes, because at that point we were working from home, and we would connect over uh, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or something, so we'd see each other, but we would record our own voices on our own audio device. I do have to make a slight correction. Uh, Kirsten's son helped. He was working on a similar type of thing, so yes. we, Credit to we based Isaac it on Isaac. As well, of course, yeah. yes. And, uh, and we would record them all, and then we would upload them and email them to Dennis and he would use his wizardry to patch them all together to the untrained ear or even to the trained ear. It sounded like we were all in the same room, which was fantastic, except for one time. I can't remember if it was for Hound of the Baskervilles or maybe it was Little Women. It would be great to find uh, just a clip of this. At the end of the recording, Kirsten said, oh no, she might use stronger language. (laughs) Probably. And what happened was her recorder did not record her audio. So we had myself, Erica, and Dennis's part of the entire hour talking away with blank spots where, where Kirsten's voice should be. And, and, and we didn't know what to do. Dennis had the sensible solution of let's just re-record the whole thing. It's going to be way too much work. But Kirsten <laughs> said, no, I can do this. Give me the, th- give me the finished thing with the, with the three voices and I will listen to it and I will recreate my responses and my comments. And Dennis was like, that'll never work. And you know what? It worked. And Kirsten emailed her, so, uh, her file to Dennis. He was able to stitch it in. And when you listen to it, you would not know that Kirsten recorded her part a week after everyone else did. So I think that's one of my favorite moments behind the scenes. Yeah, and I really did not think that that could be done. Like, Kirsten kept insisting, no, no, I can do this, I can do this. And I'm like, no, you can't, Kirsten. This is an impossible thing. No one can do this. do it all over again. And she did it. And I mean, sometimes, That's you know, there was, there, she didn't fill the gap that was there. So it wasn't the same stuff she said, but it was really, really good. <laughs> and I don't think anyone noticed anything weird about it. Yeah, it was very impressive work, That's Kirsten. <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, but I am an enthusiast. I'll you say. know what kind of pipe he smoked the yeah. most? And do you know where he kept his uh, tobacco? <laughs> No. Yeah, a Persian slipper. Oh, my gosh. Right. Persian slipper. Maybe I'll put a picture like a shoe? up. Exactly. Yes, I'll maybe put a picture of it up on our show notes. Oh, sure. Sherlock Holmes. I hope you guys are remembering all the things you say you're going to put in the show notes for waking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah making, notes, notes. making notes. <laughs> my sort of favorite creative experience as a team on the podcast was when we did the poetry podcast. I was really pushing for a poetry podcast. I wanted to do one and Alan was not that (laughs) sure. Anyway, I thought it was a great podcast. But one of the things that we did beforehand was Trevor suggested we do this game where we write a poem as a group and we started off, I can't even remember really how it went, but we each wrote a line and then it went to the next person. And then we read out the poem. So I can I just read out a couple of the poems? Because as they were being read out, I was like almost in tears. I was like, oh, my God, that was so good. (laughs) Oh, like I was just so like incredulous. Here's the first one. I tell myself I would reach across and touch you. But would you feel it? The body remembers. But the body remains not. The only thing left is the hunger. Mm. I mean, come on. Okay, one more, one more. Um, The frozen ponds mirrors my heart. I stand like Narcissus, mesmerized by the unyielding ice. Why, oh why, do I stand alone, 
left here among the cruel gray and white. <laughs> I mean, come on. That we was such a fun... publish a book. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, that was my favorite sort of memory of us creating something like right in the, right in the moment. It was fun. Good job, Trevor. Oh. <laughs> Again, I, I haven't been on the podcast very long, so I don't have such a pool of experiences to pull from, but I do... Um... You represent the future, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> You're the youth. You're the youth and the hope. <laughs> Um, I did like a lot when um, you, Trevor, misunderstood what was happening in Lovecraft Country um, <laughs> with, uh, with a character and an alien. Um, so that was fairly recent, so we don't need to explain the whole thing. But yeah. Did she have Did she have sex with the alien? And was that her baby? Like, like what are we supposed to like? Is that what? Like what? Like, like Ida, like, you're talking about? Yeah, Ida. Because okay. she's like, this is this is my child no. or whatever. What happened? Like that's that's no. how I read it. No, no, no. No, no tell me what happened. No, that, that that was like an an animal from that world. Yeah, uh, that was like got... an egg or or something like that that she gave to Hippolyta. Yeah, I think she was trying to kill Hippolyta with it. She wanted to ensure Hippolyta wouldn't reveal where she was. You see, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was way darker that Ida was having sex with that thing on the beach and then produced no. this egg and then no. she's, she wanted the thing to live. Now, obviously, yeah, that's probably you need not to, what happened. to write, write so, your own fan fiction yeah. where that happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, just wait for that. <laughs> yeah, Trevor's uh, interpretations of uh, literary works is often as interesting as the work itself. <laughs> well, you know, slightly related to that, and we probably will never do this book on the podcast, but uh, I really love the fact that uh, Toby's mentioned Ice... Was it? Barbarians? Ice Planet Barbarians. Ice Planet Barbarians is a book, which does involve actual alien sex, I'm told. Oh Not my god, you have no idea. And, and the thing is, what I love about this is like, is like, Toby is kind of treating Dennis and I like older relatives. <laughs> she does, like, she's, she's giving us lots I'm of warnings. To warn yeah, you. you're saying it's very graphic, it's very smutty. And at, at one point, you, were, you wrote, I think it's going to be very sexy, but you italicized sexy you know, <laughs> in the email as if to like, like say, please, please, please don't hold this against me like you held. Uh, love in the time of cholera against me. Like, or, so, so, having said that, my copy of Ice Planet Barbarians has come in. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. I almost took a picture of it and sent it to the two of you. Like, ah, yes, yeah. uh, I do plan to read it very soon. I'm ready to read this. I'm ready for some ice, some planets, and barbarians, and stuff happening. So, I'm looking forward to it. Sexy. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah, there's, there's apparently there's there are scenes where there's relations. Yeah. We're, we're told that it's a kissing book, and. You know, I, I hope it's not too shocking to our delicate sensibilities. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I'm next in line after Trevor and Toby have their copy, <laughs> so I'm waiting right now. I will try to read have, the book. I've finished mine delicately. already. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I need to uh, just hold on to it for a few more days. But um, I can't, like, I can't talk about that book without blushing. Like, seriously, you guys, like, you're. Oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, I'm ready to be so shocked and appalled. By <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> You're in for it. If you haven't read any, any, I don't know what your experience with reading romance is, um, but this is, um, this is yeah, pretty, pretty hot for something that's on a nice planet. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess I have to come up with some favorite memories, uh, which you is, don't have course, to, uh, if they were all, if they were all traumatic, you can just yeah, leave yeah. them behind. I left for a reason. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so I, I, I 
think I can break it down into like a beginning, a middle, and an end memory uh, or pseudo memory in the end, maybe. But I, I think what I think about when I think about this podcast is kind of how it came about. And I think there are about four of us, me, Kirsten, Trevor, and Erica, who were, I think, all independently thinking that the library should do a podcast. And I remember Erica posting on Facebook, like, the library should do a podcast. And then my response was, we should talk, period. <laughs> and then that was kind of got the snowball rolling of, of kind of bringing everybody together. And then we heard uh, Dennis had some audio editing skills, so we, we roped him in and we made a proposal and we got the green light to go ahead with it and and just the whole process of, of putting it together was fantastic one of the most fun projects i've ever done in my life which like going to the middle uh, i think uh, one of the big highlights for me was the live episode that we did mm-hmm. um at uh, the goodwill uh and putting on a live show and i didn't think i'd ever be on a stage for a podcast before mm-hmm. like living all my fantasies of when i listen to a podcast i could do that i could be <laughs> on a podcast uh and and trevor did such a fantastic job of coming up with the i don't even remember what the game was but he had little a little trivia game for us to play yeah, on stage which was fun. which was fantastic and then the the tail end of that is is the food critic from the winnipeg free mm-hmm. press happened to be reviewing the restaurant there and, and caught our show and, and wrote about it uh in in the next day's free press which was fantastic and then i think to, to end it off my favorite memory uh towards the end is when i left the podcast but the fact that the podcast kept going so is is really exciting to see something that you started and and going back to Trevor's words is, is it's bigger than the sum of its parts because some of its parts can leave and the, the podcast can keep going, which is very exciting. So I was very excited to see Toby coming on and, and having a, a new host who wasn't part of the original crew and just like taking it and, and running with it is, is super satisfying to watch and see. <laughs> so normally we include a segment where we talk about a book that you might like if you like the book that we just read. But since we weren't talking about a specific book this time, we thought we'd just talk about books that are on our to-read lists, things that we still intend to read but maybe haven't gotten to yet. I think I mentioned in the last episode the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report is on my to-read list. It's been there for a while. I still haven't gotten to it. And, of course, Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> well, that's um, now on my to-be-read list. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's the must-read book of the season. Uh, but, you know, be careful because it's kind of spicy, I've heard. Yeah, it's a little yeah. romantic. <laughs> Just a wee bit. Uh, anyone else got stuff they've been meaning to read or got coming up? On the uh, Facebook. Uh, on the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> on the Facebook group, Gabriella Logan said that she is always wanting to read Dead Souls by Nikolai Golgo. And I thought that was interesting because uh, that author, Nikolai Golgo, was referenced in Jhumpa Lahiri's book, The Namesake, the namesake yeah. because mm-hmm. the main character was named Golgo after the author. So I thought, so uh, Gabriella, if you haven't listened to the episode, we discussed that back in March 2019. You might enjoy that as a companion when you read Dead Souls. I'll also just jump in there for a quick second. Uh, after we did that podcast, I went and read a collection of Gogol's short stories, uh, and they were fantastic. So I would encourage to read uh, his work. And then another person uh, who's uh, written uh, to us before, Amher, she says, Ulysses by James Joyce. Oh. Mm. So, yes, yes. Uh, uh, doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at Ulysses once to see if I, 
you, I had this list of, you know, 100 best books of the century or something like that. And I looked at that and I didn't even have to get 10% of the way through in before I knew I wasn't going to finish that one. <laughs> yes. That's a challenge. Someone I'll, once told me that you have to read that book sitting up at a table if you're ever going to read it. <laughs> yeah. Not in a pub? No, not, not in a bed. Not, don't get comfortable. Yeah. I'll, I'll springboard off doorstop for mine because uh, people commented uh, on Infinite Jest and they're, they're like, we, we hope that's not your favorite book, Alan. It is not because I haven't read it. Uh, it is massive. It comes in at, uh, oh, it's Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. I don't know if I said that. Uh, comes in at just under 1,100 pages. And the reason I want to read this book uh, is because I watched a movie called The End of the Tour with Jason Siegel and Jesse Eisenberg, which is all about a Rolling Stones writer who goes to interview David Foster Wallace. And it's kind of like a bromancy movie uh, that's pretty epic and made me want to read this book. Uh, but this book is huge and it's dense and you sort of have to read Hamlet before you read this book. <laughs> Because if anyone remembers the first line of Hamlet, which I haven't read, uh, so also on my to-read list, uh, the first line of Hamlet is, who's there? And the first line of Infinite Jest is, I am seated in an office surrounded by heads and bodies. And that's a direct call to Hamlet. And that's how dense this book is. And it's <laughs> over a thousand pages. Uh, so that's my to-read list. Personally, I, I love a challenge. I'm the type of person that like if I put a book on my to read list, I'm gonna read it. So I've read I've read Moby Dick and I've read Anna Karenina um and like House of Leaves and I, I have no interest in reading Infinite <laughs> Jest um, or like Ulysses or Gravity's Rainbow or any of those others. So I took a bit of a different route to this question with some books that are coming out that I'm looking forward to reading. One is, um, if you know Sarah Pauly, she's a Canadian filmmaker, writer, um, actor. She has a collection of essays coming out this year. It's called Run Towards the Danger. Um, I think it's going to be excellent as a bit of an aside. Her next film project is an adaptation of Miriam Taves' Women Talking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that's going to be excellent. And then one of my favorite books of all time is Circe by Madeline Miller. And Madeline Miller writes books very slowly. She's only written two books. Song of Achilles came out in 2011. Circe came out in 2018. They're both fabulous. And she will be writing a new book about Persephone, which will come out sometime, but uh, just write faster, Madeline Miller. Um, <laughs> so eventually there will be a Madeline Miller book about Persephone. When you mentioned Moby Dick a minute ago, it made me think a few years ago, Joe Hill, uh, the author, uh, ran a uh, Twitter book club for books that he's always wanted to read but needed support. And it was great because throughout the whole month of, like, say, I don't know, January of whatever year it was, people would be reading Moby Dick and he would put questions up chapter to chapter. So I actually read along with Joe Hill that book. And thank goodness I did because if I didn't have that support, I don't think I would have. <laughs> when you get to that chapter about halfway through where it's just like a history of the different types of whales. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? So, um, I don't know if this book counts for my to be read list because I've technically started it, but I only read about three or four pages a year uh, because I take this, <laughs> I take this book camping every summer. And I think I'm going to read it. And I get settled in the hammock. And something always happens, right? I have to go and do something. Or the tent's fallen down. Or, or, or our daughter's missing. Or whatever it is. Uh, 
so it's called it's a biography Churchill Walking with uh, Destiny by Andrew uh, Roberts uh, so it's mm-hmm. obviously a biography of Winston Churchill so I've gotten to the point where he just got back from South Africa uh, he's thinking of running for parliament and you know I think he's got a future in it, so, so I hope spoilers to, yeah. spoilers so that's on my to be read also kind of reading list I didn't prepare for this question that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you, you I, have, I have a whole list of to be read now. You know, Ice Planet Barbarians. <laughs> I, I, yes, Ice Planet Barbarians, uh, Google uh, Short Stories, the uh, Laurie Moore book, which was already on my list. Also, Katrina Vermette's new one, too, Strangers, which I think is on lots of people's to be read list. So, yeah. Yeah. That's okay, because if someone else wants to read it, you can also want to read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I thought we were... No. Oh, no. You're going to read that one. <laughs> well, that's how I am at uh, family dinners when we go out for dinner, and if somebody orders something, and I'm like, I was going to order that. Oh. Like, nobody can order the same thing. Hmm. Everyone has to order it. You can't copy me before I do it. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So... Can I add a to be viewed to this? I guess mm, well, sure. as, as this month's host, I think uh, you can do whatever <laughs> you like. Alan. I just I just want to throw in a plug for one of the projects that we're working on at uh, Red River College. Uh, it's called Conversations with Authors, a Truth and Reconciliation series, and it's in partnership with Indigenous Education and Library and Academic Services. And uh, so this would be available for all of our listeners. You can go to our website library.rc.ca/conversations, and you can. Uh, we've done two so far, and the most recent one is with Isaac Murdoch. He wrote uh, Trails of the Nebuzuhu and other creation stories. And so it's just a conversation with the author about their process. Isaac goes into a lot of his journey in becoming an Indigenous storyteller, and it's like a fascinating interview. So that's library.rc.ca slash conversations. We can put a link to that in our notes, show notes. Mm, sounds yeah. really good. Does anyone have anything else they want to toss in before we close out? Are we are we going to schedule our 100th episode uh, <laughs> at this point to make sure our calendars are clear? Or uh, I think we'll hold off on that for the moment. All right, all right Just, good. Like to, I like to be highly effective. Yes. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this month. Thank you so much for joining us, dear readers. For us, celebrating our 50th episode was a pretty big deal, but we don't want to rest on our laurels, so next month we've got something special lined up. We've previously read and discussed Son of a Trickster and Trickster Drift by Eden Robinson. For our next episode, we will finally complete the Trickster trilogy as we discuss Return of the Trickster. (laughs) And as if that wasn't enough, we just may have another special guest joining the discussion. I'm not sure I can properly convey to you how excited we are about this one. (laughs) Have some thoughts about books we're reading or should read? Write them down on a slip of paper, put the paper under your pillow, and send them to us through your dreams. Or email us. I'd recommend the emails. You can find all of our contact info at the bottom of the page at wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca. You can also find all our past episodes and discussion questions there, too. If you haven't already, subscribe to Time to Read on your favorite podcasting service and maybe leave us a review. Tell your book-loving friends about us, too. And until next time, make sure you find... Time to read.
this episode, we are celebrating books, nerd words, and the fact that we've made it to 50 episodes. I'm Alan from the Idea Mill, and I'm only here because I know how to edit audio. Across the table from me is... No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to interrupt me. <laughs> I know, I was waiting for yeah, interrupting. I was going to wait for you to say your I'm Alan part. Oh, okay. Uh, but, 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 don't, but don't say you're from the Idea Mill. That would be terribly confusing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. we'll, we'll do from the top. No, no, no. You can just go from the. Uh, I'm really Alan. Really is good at editing audio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm Alan from Red River College Polytechnic, and I'm here because I know how to edit on it. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god. Just, just do the I'm Alan part, and then across the table from me is, oh, okay. and then there'll be a little pause. Gotcha. It, uh, yeah. oh, okay. Okay. See, this is gotcha. what happens when we don't script it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. gotcha. This is why we, uh, every episode we have two or three rehearsals. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay. 